Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wednesday podcast. We are here to discuss another Sunderland win. Back on track. We will discuss that in more detail and specifically the victory over Plymouth Argyle at the weekend. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. I'm joined. Uh, I was going to say as always, but I've never been on for Youngs. But Gareth Barker's here as well. Good night. Right. Yeah, there you go. Some things never change. And uh, we are joined by Phil Smith of the Sunderland Echo. Good evening. evening, all. Sorry, I was on mute there. That's okay. False start. You were you two were, um, deep involved in cricket chat before I came on. Are you uh, in a position where you can stay up all night for them and watch the uh, the Ashes? Um, I wouldn't say I'm in a position to do so. I do, do so. it anyway. <laughs> to, to my general detriment. Um, yeah. What I mean is a flexibility of work where they can allow for such things. Is it in the interest of the Sunderland Echo readers that you, Phil Smith? Um, stay up through the night and watch England inevitably lose to Australia in, in um, an Ashes series. I'm offering no comment on my working and <laughs> test cricket watching patterns. Okay, fair enough. It's, uh, you think you just got to like, basically you just got to resolve, it's coming up, you got to resolve yourself to the fact that you're going to be tired for six weeks. That's just how it works. Yeah, you know? it is. And And to be fair, I'd be surprised if anyone writes more words on anything than I do on something so I'm more than make up for it but yeah <laughs> you can like um you Smith, can Smith throws down the gauntlet to, yeah. to Hunter <laughs> <laughs> you can um you know what you do is if you put the if you get the telly on or the um or, you, or the radio on at the right volume you can um you can like kind of almost kind of tune your brain after a while, to like the intonations, so if something exciting happens, you kind of wake up and then like go back to sleep again when you see England are like lost another week. That's basically how it works. So, but if you can stay up and watch it, it is it is like quite romantic. It's quite fun, I think. But well, Friday um, night was the first time I was in a position to do anything. It was when wow, wow. it was it was when the, England started the day after putting on a bit of a comeback, didn't they? With that with a partnership. Um, uh, with Joe Root and Milan, and uh, I uh, so I thought oh, I'm going to watch this for the first time, and then you know they just like the wickets started going straight away, and I just took myself to bed. So you blame me for that if you want. So I'm, I'm sure that's fun for that. That conversation's fun for a percent aisle of our listeners who have obviously not tuned in for that. But it's important, especially you know we get a lot of American listeners and stuff that they are aware of English culture, and even they are casual, yeah, very yeah, casual, yeah. even very casual cricket fans like myself um, are aware of the importance of an Ashes series between Australia and England. Anyway, we have 
digress somewhat. And uh, Sunderland are uh, back to winning ways, so it's 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 all right to talk about that stuff again. Um, well, it was really funny because it was like kind of going on, like after losing in the cricket, so emphatically, it's like you don't want that thing to happen to you where it's like uh, all your teams like have a terrible, terrible day. And fortunately, Sunderland managed to win the game. So didn't have to do that whole sort of depressing sort of thing where you're tired and your teams have all lost. Mm. So that was nice. And it was, an, I thought it was a much, I know like the lads touching it and on the pods last week about, it was kind of, you know, winning the game 5-0 and kind of being like a bit meh about it. And it wasn't, it's not that you're not happy that you won 5-0. It was just like, you know, the atmosphere at that game compared to the atmosphere at the weekend, I think it tells you everything you need to know. Um, it, it, it was much, I'm, I'm much preferred and enjoyed as a spectacle. And from an entertainment perspective, the game on Saturday. I know what maybe, you mean. I, th- maybe I think I'm a serious, no, no, I no. I I agree, and I know what you mean. And sometimes it's hard to put you. I mean, midweek games generally just historically don't. I know there's been some great nights under the lights, as the cliche is, now, and I, generally, you know, it's they're not well attended those games. And I don't know if it's because we got a lot of fans that live outside of Sunderland. Um, you know, the opposition were terrible. Um, a massive mismatch in terms of the size and stature of clubs. People said, and that's not sounding arrogant, but it did almost just feel like. You know they've they still had some work to do in, in in making us happy again because that that run of form was so bad and it's almost like there was a um yeah you know we expect this well done um but it was different on Saturday and I know Phil the Plymouth have um you know the wheels have come off a little bit for them or they've certainly um and some bolts have certainly been unscrewed but it's still a, t- a side that have played well this season and um it was a test for Sunderland and. I think, you know, at half-time, if someone were 4 or 5 nil up, there would have been no complaints by anybody. No, I, th- I thought someone were excellent. And I think that it was a, you know, credit to the to the team as well because the atmosphere was, I think, superb throughout. And obviously there was a lot of factors going into that. A little bit of pantomime refereeing, which can, can oh. kind of actually, but that can help, can't it, in terms of the atmosphere yeah. and getting people up. And But the first half, I thought it was... Probably the best, I think, someone have played probably since the first half against Lincoln. It was kind of similar, just in terms of you you could almost see that the opposition wilted and you felt like Sunderland were going to score every time they went forward. And I think it's interesting, isn't it, you know, that they have changed their approach a little bit at home this year in terms of, you know, we saw so many games last year where they were having, you know, 65, 70% possession, but it was kind of pot shots from range and just cross after cross into the box, not really getting anywhere. You know, they're happy to almost invite the opposition onto them a little bit and let them have more of the ball, you know, and hoping that that space they can hurt on the counter-attack. And you saw that through the first sort of half an hour, 35 minutes. I thought Pritchard was just absolutely superb, just playing that early pass into the channel or over the top for the strikers. Just really, really enjoyable to watch. And yeah, I think it was, we haven't, there's been times this season where it, it has felt like a bit of a slog and we haven't really seen that kind of, counter-pressing style that's been promised and it was really good to see it Saturday really in full flow and yet second half was probably a little bit more nervy than it should have been but even so I still thought someone created the better chances Yeah absolutely even you know Plymouth 
had their moments, didn't it, to make it a little bit uncomfortable. But I, I thought they were more than comfortable, and they, they could have they could have racked up a number of goals. Some of these players are really um, stepping up when it counts, Gareth. And we, we've asked yeah. them to, and they are players who have been on the fringe. Uh, Pritchard, Phil's just mentioned there. Shaq, who's had two really good games for Sunderland, um, and you know they would say there's an argument to say you need a run of games to show this form, and they're getting that and they're showing it. Yeah, it's it's been good to see Pritchard in particular finally look like the player we'd hope he would be. Um, and he was really good again. He's been, I would argue, he's probably been the the player of the of the last sort of four or five weeks um, for Sunderland. Um, I know, like again with Jack, who kind of talked about, he's a bit sort of hit and miss, but he's definitely been more hit. Recently, and he's, he's you know he's worked really hard, and he's going to get hopefully better because he has got the ability with the ball at his feet. It's just other stuff that he needs to work on, and I think there was examples at the weekend where you know his decision making was really good. Um, so that was a positive. Um, Neil thought that was his best game in ages. Um, he was excellent, um, and yeah, I mean they were just. Uh, you know, relentless in the first half. When we're in fifth gear, there's like, I don't know, like some people might say, well, that's any team you could say that about, but different teams are different fifth gears, don't they, in terms of what they're trying to achieve. And I think when we are in top gear, it's just like, we're unstoppable. Like, but it's when we're going to first and second that, that the problems kind of come come back onto the plate. So, but yeah, it, it, not, you can't expect every team to play that way every time, but well, you know we look, we look great. We do look great, and some of the, we've scored some fantastic goals this season, like all different kinds of goals. But we've scored some brilliant team goals. Well, that second one, so Broadheads, um, you know, where Jacques went and turned his man inside out on the on the wing, and he's put the cross in, and and we all love those little backheel flick goals, don't we? Um, and that is Phil for all the rubbish and the crap and everything that goes on with being a football fan and all the wasted money and all the wasted um, minutes of your life <laughs> being a football fan, that goal was, um, it's what you do it for, really. Just to, just to, just to enjoy that goal and, and cutting the team open like that and finishing it. That, that, that kind of almost makes it feel worth it. It doesn't matter who you play and what level it's at. Yeah, I think Broadhead's a, a proper summoned player, isn't he? He's really direct. He's always trying to take the positive option, always trying to go past people, runs himself into the ground, got that little bit of skill. I think he's been superb, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, as you guys mentioned, I think it is worth giving a lot of credit to, to Diaku because, you know, there have been games this season where he's he's looked way off it. And it was interesting hearing the, the Plymouth manager afterwards in the press conference talking about how one of his wing-backs had been been injured one of his normal wing backs and so he had to decide kind of which side to put his um his standing on and he decided to put him on that on hit on that left flank because he felt that Gooch and Broadhead was such a threat. Um you know the the obvious inference there being he didn't think Dayaki would offer as much of a threat and obviously he had to switch it after 25 30 minutes because Dayaki was just creating so many chances. So yeah really really impressed with with Broadhead and Dayaki they were probably my two standout players other than you know that central midfield partnership, which you know sometimes in football strange things happen, don't they? In terms of injuries and what have you, and you almost stumble across combinations. And I think Neil and Winchester, I mean, even when the other players are back fit, 
I'd like to see that continue for a period of time because there's a there's a real chemistry there, a real blend, and I'm really enjoying the platform that they're setting up. And I think when Winchester had to move move back out to the right, I thought he did well, but I thought it did did affect the team. Mickey Loft made a point on the reaction pod and um, shout out to Mickey. And um, I thought it at the time, I agreed with him straight away when I was listening to it. And then I think every single one of us in the group chat have then since said, I agree with that, Mickey. Uh, get your thoughts on it, Phil. And that is that, is there almost an element of the, the fact that Lee Johnson can't, he's not really in a position to tinker and overthink things. You've just said there, he's thrown together this team. Has that helped in some way? That it's like that. That's your lot. You're all good players, and they find a way to win games. Well, I think that the definitely there's. I think there's a core of that team who have really benefited from that continuity, haven't they? Pritchard has definitely benefited from the fact that he's had a run of starts. Um, Dayak has definitely benefited from the fact that he's had a run of starts. So I think there is something in that. But I, I do think as well that you you've got to give, you know, you have got to give Lee Johnson a lot of credit because admittedly there've been some fairly iffy performances within the six game on beaten run but you know when you look at the the number of players out injured um you know there are some big big gaps in this squad at the moment and I think to to get 14 points from 18 um even if it hasn't always been totally convincing along the way I think you know I think you have to say it's a it's a pretty pretty good haul and, and, a, and a good bit of kind of coaching and management to get those results yeah I think you, you know it you're right. You know, it, with, he has done really well to to get the best out of that small group across the games and to win the games uh, that we've won and pick those points up. Um, it would be interesting to see. I mean, I think we had a little bit of this a few times where we've had the injuries, and it's almost like as soon as we get options, it become we we kind of make life a bit harder for ourselves. Um, you know, he has. You know. Johnson is prone to changing the team on a weekly basis. Um, and now he can't do that. It's kind of gone in our favour. And, you know, maybe that's something he, he might look into, you know, reflect on when, when the options do come back, when the players do become available. I'm not talking about, um, you know, obviously we want to get full-backs into the team because we haven't got any, you know, that, that's that's fair enough. That was a good um, reason to get full. Yeah, yeah, same. yeah. Um, but in it, where where maybe he doesn't have to make a change, you know, maybe it'll be interesting to see if he can just resist that urge, maybe, and let them go. You know, with with so Parkinson was the antithesis, wasn't he? It was like he never changed the team, regardless of the outcome, and he'd make one substitution in the eighty third minute. It was either Josh Cohen or um, Kyle Lafferty. And that was basically it. It was like management by numbers sort of thing for him. Whereas, you know, Johnson's definitely opposite, almost like think overthinking it a little bit. I'd rather have the overthinking than, than just like sticking your fingers in your ears and pretending that like nothing was wrong. Definitely. Um but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see when the players start coming back and if he does want to make the changes and you know, fair enough. Mm. Well, let's enjoy enjoy while he's stuck with this starting eleven. Then, um, uh, any update on Gooch, Phil? So, and apologies if all of our listeners know this, but I've been out of the loop a little bit the last few days with Sunderland. Really, no, not yet. It was um, it was a a, a groin injury, um, and all we've had so far, Johnson just said that it was 
um, a bit early to assess it. He felt it would be one where he'd either be back training pretty quickly um, or one where he could be sort of three weeks to a month. Um, so we should get an update, I think, in the next the next couple of days, probably Wednesday more likely. Um, but all yeah. angles with all predict- with that prediction, then, isn't he? Well, I think it. I think it obviously depends on on he'll have a scan and what the damage is. But yeah, it's it's definitely a potential doubt. Although I get the impression that um, Dennis Serkin and Denver Hume aren't too far away now. Um, so whether they'll be back for it, which I don't know, but there is definitely sort of some some players coming back in that position. I think Hume and Serkin definitely will be back um, before New Year. So. Um, it maybe isn't quite as big a blow as it might look initially, depending on what the, the damage is. It's important because I always thought, you know, um, try and get a January. Um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do in January, whether they plan on spending any money. Uh, I think the worst on that front, but to try and get, and, you know, just to stay in touch, I thought, you know, just, just stay, in, stay in the playoffs in January and you've always still got a chance at the top two. Um, they're doing a little bit better than that, to be fair to them. Um, at the moment, but um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll actually do the second part where we'll just think about actually about um, who we need to who we need to bring in, what kind of positions we need to bring in. You mentioned Dan Neil there, the ball with you, um, sort of, and a return of form and alongside Winchester, and uh, it's been highlighted the lack of options there, hasn't it? Because again, he, we we've not been able to to take him out the side. Not that he was playing poorly or anything, but by the high standards he set at the start of the season, we couldn't even really give him a breather. We've not been in a position now. And he's had to just play. He's had to just play through yeah. it and, and come out the other side, hasn't he? No, the, the positive has been that he hasn't he hasn't been shunted to left back either because obviously he started the season there. So I think that's bit that was just always at the back of my mind going. I hope that Dan Neil's not kind of moved out there, but you know the fact he's you know it'll have done him good to play through that difficult spell um, and you know work some stuff out because you know when when you sort of initially get in it's probably easier because people don't know who you are and you know you've got that initial confidence that you get in your you know your, your first first team starts in the league for your team um and then when it gets a bit sticky and the pressure's on because people have seen what you can do gets a little bit harder and like other players in the league start to recognize you as a threat sort of come through that little that little spell for him and have a good game at the weekend like he did um, it's probably really heartening for him because you know, no, even if you know, I'm sure like you don't lose all your self belief, but you'll have doubts, won't you? Like surely when you're having a bit of a, a bad run, and you know, there's got to be something in the back of your mind that's saying, "Oh, you know, am I, am I good enough like to be playing week in, week out?" Well, it's just not experienced that either. So young, yeah, so this exactly, is his first, yeah. his first run in the first team. So suddenly. You know what? What you got to remember as well when when you come through the academy, kind of things kind of do go your way. You know, you're the best player in your school, you're the best player on your team, and you you're in the academy, and not many people get as far as he had. So it suggests you know these people I'm not going to say have it easy. They work really hard for it, but they are used to being good players and standing out. And then suddenly you're in the first team. He gets off to a flyer, and then he, and then he hits a bat of poor run of four. Phil, he's probably never had that in his life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I even when he probably wasn't at his best, I thought he. When yeah, he teams, wasn't poor. He wasn't the te- poor. The te- yeah. When the team's run was really, really poor, I still thought he was probably one of the better players, sort of week in, week out. To be honest, so I don't think he's ever really 
dipped that significantly, certainly in, in comparison. Just a to high standard, he said. I guess, isn't yeah, it? definitely. Where he's doing ridiculous assists and goals every week, which it, not realistic to ex- expect of an assist. No, um, and he, he will be an awful lot lot stronger for that for that kind of comp- the, the poor run that the team was in. And to be honest, I, I genuinely don't worry too much with that stuff with Dan Neil because I, I mean I've said it a few times, but I can't stress enough. He, he's already one of the um, most impressive sort of players that you talk to in that group. It's, well, he's 22 days and he's so happy birthday to him. But, um, you know, he, he is such a maturity about him. Um, really, really, really grounded. You can see that in the way in the way he carries himself. So I, I've never really had too many concerns on that front. But, you know, he's, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing, not just in terms of being a young player bringing into the team, but his output. You know, I was speaking to him after the game on Saturday and he was saying that, you know, his target for the season was kind of, Six to eight goals, eight to ten assists. Um, he's pretty much already there with the assists. Um, goals, he's a little bit off, and he kind of said, "You know, I'm, I, I want to get closer to that target." So, yeah, I think he's having a. It, it's a really, really good season, and I think it's, you know, he's become such an important player because he is producing the goods, not just in terms of playing well, but actually, you know, those goal contributions are, are very, very high for someone in their first full season. Another player who's, who's, who's come out the other side, I guess, when it, when it looked like. You know, you, 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 at one point, I think all some of the fans were, were just almost writing him off and questioning whether he would ever ever come good for Sunderland. Is is Bailey right? Do we think? Play on well at the moment. He's been really good, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he has played really well. Um, I thought yesterday was <clears throat> yesterday. Saturday was well. It's probably the best he's played. I would say. Um. It kind of seemed to enjoy playing in that kind of sort of half right back, half centre back type position. Um, you know, where you've got like where definitely on the one side, Gooch is like a fully fledged wing back out there. And then on the right, though, with Tiago, it was more like a right back and a winger, um, slightly differently set up. Um, but he, he seemed to enjoy the. The attacking stuff a little bit more at the weekend, the po- more positive front foot stuff, um, and he seemed to be enjoying himself, which was good to see. So, long quite Jordan Willis in that position yet? No, no, not not quite. No, <laughs> we forget about his contribution as a yeah. sort of marauding centre half yeah. stroke fullback. Um, that's the that's the that's what you've got to aim for. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, be, be, before we move on from the the, the performance, I mean, very nicely, Ross Stewart get a goal as well. Um, Broadhead, by the way, sorry, before we move on, is I was thinking about this. Did you ask you get a goal on Tuesday? You mean on Tuesday? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I said this, I was taught to Claire earlier, and I was like, I'm trying to remember. Um, this is what I'm talking about. I'm being slow with the loop, right? I was taught to Claire, I was like, I'm trying to remember someone's third goal on Saturday, and I can't remember it. And she's like, Well, we only scored two. <laughs> I was like, This Saturday and the uh, midweek game, I just like. Blending in a one, yeah. I'm thinking Stu's first goal midweek, where the um, yeah, went for the keeper. Well, anyway, third goal, um, <laughs> Broadhead. I was thinking about this today. Um, is um, and context is everything, you know, sort of in Division Three now, but his impact is sort of it reminds of Fabio Barini in a way, a bit of a, a slow burner, somebody who'd come with pedigree and and then suddenly just starts scoring some really, really good goals. You know, after the season had already started, a lone player. Um, I know we've already mentioned Broadhead, but I just thought I would share that comparison. It's popped in my head. All we need now is is um, Gus Poyer to 
um, chase them around for a whole year trying to get them signed for us. I think, to be fair, when we were talking before about sort of Johnson not having a fair point, but I think as well, you know, if you'd said to Johnson at the start of the season, he would have wanted Stuart and Broadhead playing together much earlier. Um, it was something he always had in his mind when he signed Broadhead. And he was talking about doing it long before he actually had the opportunity to really do so, A, because Sunderland's form was so good. And then obviously Broadhead got that injury after the Cheltenham game. So to be fair, I think he was very much recruited to play alongside Stuart. And it looks a looks a pretty good call at the moment. But yeah, he's doing really, really well. And if we're going in sort of um, comparison, then I think we have to give a shout out as well to Carl Winchester's Catamull vibes, which are yeah. absolutely overwhelming at the moment. And, <laughs> I'd just like to say that I'm, I'm here for it. Long may it continue. He looks like he's really enjoyed himself, doesn't he? Like, he, you know, when, when he um, he got substituted and he got a, like the the ground yeah. give him a stand ovation, he almost double-checked to see that was for him and that was happening for him. He, he loves it. Like, you know, like I know every player says they love it and all that, but he he absolutely loves it. He's just relishing it. And I think he, as well, he probably takes a little bit of pride in the fact that, you know, the first couple of months he was here, I think there would have been that doubt about whether he was going to really step up because we were seeing his little bits of quality and flashes, weren't we? And I, I think he's just, you know, it's a bit of a chicken in the egg scenario. I think he's really, really stepped up and got a massive response to that. And I think in turn, that's just kind of fed his confidence. Um, but he he absolutely loves it. Like he is one of the players I've spoken to over the last four or five years who I, who I most get the sense that he just relishes being at the club and appreciates you know, what an opportunity it is for him in terms of his career. So, yeah, pleasure on and off the pitch um, at the moment, Winchester, long may that continue. He, Good um, to see. Go, he must go. be one of the fittest uh, players in the team. In the stats, I mean, I'd be interested to see what they say. Like, well, say interested to see what they say. I'm not going to go seeking them out, like, but, you know, it would be, I would be surprised if he wasn't in the top three in terms of, his fitness because he's played a lot of games um, and he's, his engine's great. He's always one of the freshest players at the end of the game as well when he's, you know, going on those runs from right back or, or trying to run beyond on that right sort of right side, even if it's from the centre of midfield. I, th- I think it's, um, I think that is just hard work because, I mean, I asked Johnson a couple of weeks ago about whether he, he wanted to kind of make this midfield switch permanent Um and I asked him whether sort of the confidence of playing well at right back, he thinks, he, you know, he'd taken that into midfield. And Johnson said that was the case, but he also said that his his physical capacity is much, much higher now than it was when he arrived at the club because of the work he's done behind the scenes and kind of benefiting from the infrastructure at Sunderland. And you can see that because the amount of times he picks up second balls, the amount of time he beats his opposition midfielder at those kind of loose balls, you can tell that he's obviously so much sharper and stronger than he was when he first first arrived at the club. Right, well, we'll have a little break there and we'll come back and we'll just talk about uh, a few more generic things, Sunderland-based January transfer window, the recent form, and uh, get Phil's opinion on some other things as well. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Okay, um, looking at the uh, league table that we provide, the graphic that we provide, if you're on, if you follow us on Twitter, and we posted on there um, the other day. And this is where we put the, the current league table up. We highlight um, where Sunderland are now in comparison to the previous seasons since we've been in League One. Um, and we display the table in order by points per game. So we have a little um, sort of dotted line. And if you're above that, you're on two points per game, which is generally enough uh, to get you promoted. So currently, um, there are three teams now on two points per game. And Sunderland are one of those. Um, thanks to that victory at the weekend. There's still a point behind um, the side um, of Jack Ross's first season at Sunderland when he was down here and played the same game, just a point behind. Well clear of the previous ones, which just highlights a bit of fill out. And I know we do get frustrated at Sunderland and, and I still am frustrated. So that draw against a 10-man team who, who in the relegation zone I know people are saying that suddenly looks all right now. It, it does. It does. I'm sorry, but it doesn't to me. It wasn't acceptable that. And I'm more frustrated thinking if some of that extra two points, they'll be looking really, really good. But I don't want to sound like I'm being negative and mourning. Um, nine points ahead of where we were last season, and that's a side that got the playoffs. And at that's one point looked like, and at one point looked like they were going to get automatics until the wheels come off towards the end. Yeah, I mean, this was a really bad little spell in the season last year, wasn't it? Because Parkinson had those two draws at Fleetwood and Doncaster. And then did we draw with Burton and, and then lose to Wigan in that sort of transition period between Parkinson and Johnson? I think we did, didn't we? So that was probably, this was probably the worst spell um, of that season. But I think it's just, you know, you kind of mentioned the, the Shrewsbury game, what have you there. And I think it's just, you know, one of the things Johnson talks about a lot is is not getting too carried away with the results and looking at performances and and that's why there was a lot of criticism because the performance trends generally speaking were very poor and over the last week um they've been an awful lot better and I think that there's no issues with holding someone to a high standard because you've talked about the other two teams there Rotherham we know are going to be very very strong this season and are going to get a really good points hold because you only have to look at what Paul Warren's done in the last three seasons at this level um to suggest that he's going to do it. And clearly they're a very strong team. And I think Wigan will be right up there because of the quality they've got. So Sunderland are going to have to maintain a really high level of performance and a really high level of form over the course of the season 
to be in the top two. There's no doubt about that. The performances recently have been really encouraging and hopefully that'll continue. And also, you know, while there's pressure on Johnson and his players to maintain that, there's pressure on on the board and the club to, to get him what he needs in January because, you know, it, it, you are going to have to get, I think, two points per game this year. I don't think there have been times, haven't there, like the, the curtailed year where the division seemed a little bit weak. Um, you Maybe you haven't needed that. The last really, couple, really, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe the last couple. Re- that really, really high level to get promoted. I don't think this year is going to be one of those years. I think you are going to need two points per game. Um, because I, I don't see, I don't see Rotherham and Wigan falling off the pace. Mm. Hey, Wigan, you know, it's looking at their sort of results recently. <laughs> you, I mean, how many goals have they scored in the last minute over the last few weeks? I think they've won the the previous Roy Keane three, got Roy Keane well, a promotion. That did. I think, the, first, I think the the previous three games of the weekend when they drew, um, they, they won won the game. Got the points in the last minute, so. I'm not saying that's a neg like I'm not saying that's a bad thing that they're doing that. It's more that it goes to show that they're obviously not out of sight in these games or they haven't got you know, the the, the teams are playing to keep them in check to an extent, um, for the vast majority of the game. Um so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens to some of these teams in terms of when they're due a bad run, because Rotherham have been really good recently and sort of putting teams away comfortably um, to the point where the goal difference is ridiculous now. I think they're like on plus 27 or something stupid. Um, but, the, you know, even if it's like a three or four game bad run, where you don't, they're not winning games even if they just draw some games, you know, that's the that's when you've got to capitalise and, and catch up or get ahead of them. I mean, we're not that, we're close to getting ahead of them anyway. I mean, it's one... We're in a basically if we won at the weekend and they didn't, we'd be top, wouldn't we? So, you know, it's it's not gonna take a lot, but we have to make sure. There's still that thing in the back of my mind, and again people are gonna go, I've oh, been negative. The bad streaks. And we had we've had you know, good streak, bad streak, good streak, bad streak. Now this is the start of the good streak. We need to get as many points on the board. As we can in this spell where we're playing to a maximum of our ability to make sure that if we do have another bad run, we don't lose touch. Um, and then when the good run comes round again, we're not too far off. So it's it's fine. That's, I think it's it's a difficulty I can't I can't fully enjoy at this stage of the season what we're doing because you know I think it's just that fatigue of being being down here for so long and you know it, it, the, the the ultimate goal is to like get out of the league so it's you know even even winning a few games is great but when you look at the league table and you're third or fourth or fifth and other teams are playing well and winning I just think like right we've won that game the points in the bag let's get on to the next one win that one um it's sort of, you know, I think when we get like 10 games to go, I think that's when it's really going to like the importance. Like that Morton games is a good example, actually, because if you win that one 5 0 in the last eight games of the season, I think the atmosphere is very different to winning it 5 0 like we did last week. Um, so I think when it gets to the business end, you know, that's <laughs> that's when it's going to get. A bit more 
I'll be I feel I'll feel a bit more like what knowing what we what we need to do to get out of the league. That and obviously at the moment, yeah, win as many games as you can. We know that win every game. That's what you need to do to get out of the league. Yeah, but we'll know where that, we are. That would guarantee. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like when we get to that last ten games, we'll start to see if any of these other teams do go on a bad run themselves. You know where we sit in all this, um, and you know just knowing what you need to do, like close at the time. You know, I'll, I'll be, I feel a bit more reassured, but I do have that sort of horrible, sort of lingering, sort of why can't we have nice things feeling in the yeah. back of my mind? I can't, Sa- I can't Saturday put that away is an yet. Game, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, let's see what happens. Credit, credit to the manager for, for getting through oh, that, yeah, that, that great, tough yeah. little spell. And you know, why we we never went as far as the old uh, Twitter poll. To say Johnson are out, and that's always like a sign. I think when we do that, as is, is if like whether you do you think you're losing the fan base, never quite got there. So um, you know we 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 didn't do that, and so we're not uh, rewriting any of our own history whatsoever. There. Um, what do Sunderland need to do? To be fair, Ma- Matthew got... Matthew's one of them sacks since he was appointed. So well, yeah, well, well you're always going to get you know, people who have that opinion. Everyone's <laughs> entitled to their opinion, but as a collective, we never asked that question. And certainly, got a hive mind, Stephen. We all got our own opinions. Well, of course, of course. Uh, Phil, what do Sunderland need to do in January and what can Sunderland realistically do in January? Um, I would sign a right-back, first and foremost, um, just so that you can keep Winchester in the Just midfield. so we have one. Well, yeah, just so we have one. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. But yeah, um, yeah I'm just going to bring the chat back around to Carl Winchester, if that's all right. Um, no, we get a right-back so he can stay in centre midfield. I would add another centre midfielder. Um, just because clearly it's going to be a while before Luke Unhine's back and he might need some time to settle. You might want to put him in at fullback. Um, I don't know how that'll develop. And obviously Corey Evans um, would probably, given how the first half of the season's gone, you don't want to be relying on him, do you, at the moment? So those would be my first two kind of key positions. Um, it's a tricky one after there, thereafter. I do think some need another striker slash forward player. Um, at the moment, it's great because Stuart and Broadhead are playing superbly. Um, but obviously, there isn't a huge amount of depth after that. You know, Will Harris is third choice at the moment, isn't he? And I've been really impressed with him in under-23s. But if Stuart or Broadhead's get an injury, it all of a sudden becomes a really big ask. So those three are my main kind of key areas. And then after that, I think it depends on a couple of factors. I think that whether you sign another winger, I think they need another one. But that obviously depends whether you decide to bring Jack Diamond back or not. And then I think centre-half's going to become an interesting one because it'll depend what's happening with Frederick Alves. He seems like Johnson isn't going to give him much of a league chance. Um, that might mean that West Ham are calling. But even if he doesn't, you know, if he's not really featuring, then I think you can potentially look a little bit light there all of a sudden. So, yeah, centre-midfield, right-back and striker are my three kind of key priorities. Um, and then I think it becomes a little bit dependent on on, on kind of outgoings or recalls. I would I would agree with that with those three positions, but Jack the Jack Diamond one's quite significant, I feel, because they might feel if he comes back then it allows him to try and strengthen elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? And not prioritise that position because you've got somebody else in form coming back. He's playing well, hasn't he? Yep, scored again at the weekend, didn't he? I think. Um playing really, really well. Again, it's a, it's I certainly I was minded to do that. Um, sort of three weeks ago, but then to be fair, obviously Dayaku has been excellent since then and, and has, has really kind of come into his own. So fair play, fair play to him for that. 
to me, it does seem like, like you say, it's a good option if you haven't got a huge budget and there's certainly no suggestions that something you're going to throw loads of money at the window, then bringing Diamond back um, would allow you to focus on other areas where I think kind of that money's better needed. Having said that, you know, you have to make sure as well that you're not bringing Diamond back to sit on the bench yeah. um, for six months because that will be hugely counterproductive and there's a strong argument to say, well, he's playing and scoring goals, which is exactly what the idea is. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a that's a tricky decision, um, but I definitely think it's an option they'll be very, very much considering. Have you got any opinions, Gareth, on positions? I think they're the positions we all we yeah. all surely look at yeah. and think, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I might be tempted to... <clears throat> within that sort of criteria, I'd be looking at bringing maybe someone with some experience in there as well. You know, a bit of maturity, a bit of leadership. Because um, I think we have lacked it at times, you know, especially during the tougher spells. When you're playing well, it's easy, it's great. But I think during the more difficult spell, it was probably only really Pritchard who was like getting older people. Um, you know, a lot of like just like walking away from the ball with his head down, shoulders slumped, sort of stuff that I saw. And I'd, you know, when you don't have someone like, uh, you know, like Max was a great example of somebody who would get older people. You know, we, I think we need some players who offer that. Um, you know, Billy Wright does it, to be fair. Um, but I'd like to see a little bit more of that, I think, in, in that sort of criteria. I think with all the positions I want. But it's more that you know what are the what kind of qualities are they bringing in those areas, and as well as ability, it would be good to have a bit of mentality coming coming in as well. Maybe a bit of experience. I'm not talking about signing like some thirty seven year old, you know, on the way down type player, just somebody with a bit of nouse and experience to sort of dovetail with that sort of youth and exuberance and energy that we've got in the squad. Yeah, I agree. Certainly midfield. Like I said, I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. Someone who's just been around and done it, but not, but somebody who's still got legs, <laughs> importantly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is there anything else left to say apart from happy birthday, Dan Neil? Uh, so we're going out with. I call him a teenager earlier. Now he's not, so I got that wrong as well. He's uh, old enough to drink in America. Yeah, we've gone quiet. Everyone's gone quiet. So I'm taking old it. Uh, is it 20 the age? Concern? 21. Yeah, 21. I thought he was 20. He's just turned 20. So he's a year off being able to drink. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said he can drink now in America. I said he's a year off, didn't I? I think. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what you say anymore. <laughs> My brain is scrambled at the moment. I could have said anything. Right. Okay. Well, Matt and uh, Tom will be back um, on Thursday to preview the Ipswich game, which. Uh, Looks like an interesting one again. They've uh, obviously sacked the manager in, and uh, since since we played them last, so he'll be back to discuss that. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>
secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.